Blog Talk Radio. Elder 
is to tell you it's the only network to. Okay, I we are what? Young line is busy. Okay, by Yoda. Uh, just a memo. He'd be a three minutes late, so I give us a chance to play some of these methods on the machine. Then we're gonna pick what we need. All right, we're gonna pick what we're gonna pick what we need for the top part of Saturday. Remember one thing: now Passover is around the corner. But let's play some of these messages, and then we'll go from there. That's what we'll do. Let's hear some of to take notes, especially the young lions. The curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, now this will be uh this big big pastor named Copley uh what what is the guy name his whole name is that that great big Christian pastor what's his name Kenneth Copley yeah Kenneth Copley big billionaire big billionaire so he's doing some teaching and some organization want us to kind of peep at what they saying and see what they saying and what do we think about it so let's hear. Uh, uh, Kenneth Copley out and see what he's saying. Then we're gonna throw it to the young lions and let them let them roar on a little bit, and we'll take them there. Let's see what they're saying. So stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Stop. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, the curse of the law was the curse for breaking I'm going to use a little different word here. It's exactly the same thing, and it and it is used uh, interchangeably. It was the curse for breaking covenant with God in the old covenant. The the curse, the punishment. He stepped out of that covenant protection. And the curse just sitting there waiting on you. I mean, the minute you stepped out there, oh, man, I mean, the devil just put one on you. I mean, we were over here obeying God, doing what he said, and doing things his way. And the 112th Psalm says, Blessed is the man who delights greatly in the law. Greatly blessed. Greatly blessed. Well, he sent the blessing. He's, he, he, he's in covenant. He has a dazzled pleasure 
in the new covenant with a recognition of the current day validity of the old covenant and our determination to acknowledge and bless those that are a part of it. That's the foundation of blessing in the Christian experience. No, it's a poison that will rob you of the blessing of Christianity. Because one of the most fundamental prerequisites for God's blessing on your life is your willingness to be a blessing to those he says are important to him or the Jews and Israel. Stop about the history of law enforcement. Most white Americans have no understanding of the police as a weapon used against black and brown bodies. But if you look at the history, that has been the way ever since uh, slave codes, ever since the black codes post-emancipation, ever since slave patrols in the 1700s, ever since, uh, uh, you know, the way there were white-on-black race riots at least 30 white-on-black race riots in the early part of the 20th century that cops actively participated in. How many white folks, for that matter, how many black folks grew up knowing that stuff? Wasn't in our schools, so unless you had a parent that taught you or you had mentors who taught you about that, you wouldn't have known it. So I think, in a way, I use the analogy of the, of the film The Matrix, right, where you can take the blue pill or the red pill. You take the blue pill, you go back to sleep, you remain oblivious to what's happening. You take the red pill, you have enlightenment, and as Lawrence Fishburne says in that, in that movie, I'll take you down the rabbit hole and show you how deep it goes. In a way, to be white in America has been to be walking around with the IV drip with the blue pill going through it every day of your life, not even knowing that you're walking around with it. And then when black and brown folks come out, they're taking the red pill because they don't have a lot of choice. They're like, don't you see the racism? And the blue pill folks were like, no, I don't know what you're about. So I think we have to confront that denial, uh, number one. And the second thing we got to do is we have to acknowledge this thing is systemic. I think the reason white folks get defensive about the conversation is if you say we're going to talk about racism, white Americans think you're getting ready to call them racist. And that's not what we're not talking about, individual races. I, for one, don't care if Darren Wilson is a racist. What I care about is a culture of policing that engenders the abuse of black and brown people, even among cops who are not bigots. Like, he could be a Boy Scout. He could be a great guy. He, you know, they had this conversation with George Zimmerman killed Trayvon. And I realized George Zimmerman technically a Latino, but pretty white identified in terms of his character and who he hangs out with and all that. Here's a guy, they said, well, he's not a racist. He dated a black girl, took her to prom, mentored black children. It doesn't matter because he is internalizing the same messages from the media, from the school that we all are. So we don't have to build those messages. messages. Those messages are that black men are dangerous because if you look at the news, there have been studies on this. Local news over-represents black folks as perpetrators, over-represents white folks as victims. So the message that gets sent is they're dangerous and specifically to you. They are not only bad people, they're going to hurt you. So, therefore, we want to keep them on that side of town. We want to keep the children in those schools over there. We don't want to work around them. We don't want to live around them, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that message comes through loud and clear in the way that media uh, represents people of color. You know, whenever we are thinking about uh, Samir Rice, the 12-year-old child that was shot in Cleveland by police, when that happened, what did they do? The first news story in Cleveland that made a big splash was, about Tamir Rice's parents and the history of domestic abuse and criminality among his parents, not about the cop that killed him. We talk worse about black victims than we do white killers. What did we say about Ted Bundy? Oh, he was so smart, and he was so quiet, and he always seemed so nice. Every time one of these white boys goes and shoots up the school, what did we say? We had no idea he was going to do this. So we talk better. We have more sympathy for white folks who commit mass murder, bury bodies under the house, cook them up in a soup pot, and eat them. Right, that we do black folks who were killed by police, we start digging for every bad thing they ever did. We want to know if they had a juvenile record. We want to know if they'd ever been arrested. That's what the media does. And until that changes, I'm afraid white folks will stay in denial, and it'll be very hard for us to move forward, whether we're talking
Jesus Christ and his 12 apostles. This painting would later become known as The Last Supper. This was a time when the world was a vastly different place. This painting has had a brainwashing impact on the world and become a significant tool used in colonialism till this day. In fact, many black people around the world continue to hold on to the original painting of The Last Supper. History unveiled that Leonardo da Vinci used his uncle to pose as Jesus Christ. Twelve criminals from a local jail were used as models for the Twelve Apostles. This decision to use criminals as models is not uncommon in art history. The image of the Last Supper became a tool used by colonial powers. They sought to conquer and control. The whole world is run on bluff. No race, no nation, no man has any divine right to take advantage of others. The first officially documented painting of a Jesus the Christ was done in 1492, under Alexander the Sixth, also called Rodrigo Bush, his illegitimate son, Sylvia Bushia, was having a sexual affair with the relevant artist named Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was the one who painted the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. He was working closely with the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, to achieve white supremacy. Leonardo da Vinci, being the painter, Instead, image of his lover, Israel Bushia. Now, this image was the image that the Catholic Church endorsed as an upon to be the official painting, the official image of Jesus Christ. In other words, in our parents' houses, many of them have the image, the picture of a homosexual who claim to be the image of Jesus Christ. But we found that to believe in something that was used for the ritual, there was this tie that they tied it to, then it's like you're partaking in the ritual. So the energy around you will be energy that is polluted, energy that is, that is not of the Creator, energy that is not of divinity. And that is exactly what they do to everybody. They try to tie us into something so that we don't even reason anymore. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that you are not getting it. It's not your fault that you will not try. Even when you try sometimes, maybe you need to put more effort anyway. It's not your fault that you feel the way you feel or you, 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 you do or you can't think the life the way you do it. The way they want, the way they position their mind through the things they created. And they make it so available to everybody to have it. Now, when we're talking about the painting of the holy picture, the story surrounding Leonardo da Vinci, his uncle, the one he painted, right? And uh, the father of this same man, right, that his father should be, uh, he was later Pope Alexander the Sixth. Now, I'm going to leave some right up here. It's so, I can't say with my mouth because it's so appalling, like, it's so, I don't know. I'm going to leave it here. So you read it yourself. Try to read that. Now, the story around this set of people, it's still the story that morally is okay. Moral-wise, the stories surrounding these people are not okay. 
small moral teaching surrounding the life of these people. Just imagine what the father of the man he painted does to his children. Just imagine the life he lived. And now, for the fact that this same person is said to be his lover. And when you look at this picture, look at this picture right now. I'm going to put that back so you keep reading, but look at this one right now. Just look at it. There is this femininity and masculinity in it. I don't know if I'm saying the right thing, but just look at it like, is this a woman? Is this a man? Just look at the chest, right? And then just look at the eyes. Look at the eyes. You know what if I were really to, when we see these pictures, when we see the pictures of Jesus, I'll be like, oh, he's so handsome, he's so beautiful. You don't even know what to say. Is he handsome? Is he beautiful? You don't know what to say. But there is this, it's there, it's embedded in this picture. And these pictures and the likes, that's what the last supper as well. There are lots of hidden codes. There are codes hidden in those pictures that we see we have them in our houses. Now, you can't just tell my mother. You can't just tell my mother that the picture of the Jesus, she has been moving, she has been praying to, she has been kissing and holding so dear to her heart, is a picture of the homosexual. She, she might tell you that <laughs> you're turning a part that is not right. And that goes to a lot of us out there, and a lot of our relatives and friends. It is not difficult to accept the fact that, you know, I saw a clip where someone was in the square, like a market square, square and he was asking people, where he dropped a picture of three persons, the picture of uh, Marcus Garvey, the picture of this, Jesus, the so-called Jesus, and then the picture of um, one other Pan-Africanist, and he was asking them, like, when you, when you are asked to pick, or when you are asked, you know, to select, which one are you going to go for? Like, they said they were going to go for the picture of the so-called Jesus that they don't even know he was the homosexual he was. You get that? This is a level, I tell you, the manipulation, the brainwashing was so much. And at the end of the, the first clip, there's something that this man said. He said, no man or nation or race has any right to take advantage of others, to brainwash others. There is no right whatsoever. Now tell me, if these practices, to tell you that something is wrong with all these things they've agreed to do. The truth they they, they decided to mix everything. We are all confused. We are all confused. We don't even know what to believe. All right. All right. That was excellent. So we received these messages for the six anointed camps to touch on these subject matters that it's coming to a concern of others. And so, but our job is to make sure the six of the camps understand this thing. So I'm going to find out from the young lion what notes did he take? What notes did he take from the beginning? And, and, and where would you go if you hear what you heard from that big dignitary? Copley, and his name is, um, what's that big dignitary name? Kim, Kim Copley, a billionaire in Christianity. Now, the first thing I heard is that he said that the law, uh, he said the law 
need them to cut the law. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Young Ryan, we're going we're gonna to take a look at uh, a bit, and we're going to follow your lead, and I'm going to see what you're on. See, the bottom line is, we already know how to get in and get out. But it doesn't mean anything unless you get your nation to be able to get in and get out. Because this man of being there was teaching what he did, taught. And we and our parents have spent our hard-earned money to those of, of that kind of teaching. You know, so what we're going to do, we'll play kind of copley again just a little bit. Then we're going to take part by part, and I'm going to see where the young line is on. That's what I want to see. Let's play Kenneth Copley one more time, then we're going to go to Luke 12, 12, and let me see exactly which way the young line go at part one. Let's see what he said first. Then we'll take it from there. Let's see. From the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Stop. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, the curse of the law was the curse for breaking. Now, I'm going to use a little different word here. It's exactly the same thing, and it, and it is used uh, interchangeably. It was the curse for breaking covenant with God in the old covenant. The, the curse, the punishment. Now, he stepped out of that covenant protection and the curse just sitting there waiting on you. I mean, the minute you stepped out there, oh, man, I mean, the devil just put one on you. I mean, we were over here obeying God, doing what he said, and doing things his way. That the 112th Psalm says, Blessed is the man who delights greatly in the law. Greatly blessed, greatly blessed. What? He sent the blessing. He's, he, he, he's in covenant. He has a dazzled pleasure in that covenant. But the moment you get out of it and out of the protection of it, the curse is everywhere. It's, it's there just waiting on you. Now, the difference between the old covenant and the, the new covenant is between God 
Sabbath day, we know on the international side, it's over 900,000 strong on the international side. And these questions have came to the, to the guests of the Sixth Camp because they stand, analyze this taping on all these five, six points. And we want to know what you get out of it. But what we do, see, we, we can wait until we get on that way and to answer these questions, you know, but we built for this thing here, but what if we, but what I want to do, I want to find out if the questions came and the young lion was had to entertain these questions, how would he deal with it and see if it's easy to go in there and be farming around. But no need to farming around when you got a teacher standing by can help you get on the right track. See, that's the thing. We'll try to figure things out because we have the education from the system of the world. But sometimes when you have sitting elders and seers around, it's best to say, well, I don't know how to get in there, number one, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a shot at it, and then if I trip a little bit, just help me get back on my feet so I can leave a pad for the next time around. Now, that's the spirit we're talking about. So now, young Ryan, we're going to take a look at Luke, chapter 12, verse 12, live broadcast, all six locations ready to go. Call for details, 224-600-5579. And remember one thing, the Passover is coming up. New Year's is on its way around real soon. And when New Year's get here, that will be Passover. Passover is New Year's. So, not January the 1st, when you eat a bunch of hogs on January the 1st. That's, that's not the truth. We're going we're gonna to take it all that. But we're just going to entertain what we just got to hearing after the young lion looked right at Luke. Chapter 12, verse 12. Young lion, what's going on with that? Luke, chapter 12, verse 12, verse 12 reads, For the righteous spirit shall teach you in the same hour. What you are to say. See, the righteous spirit do the teaching. And if you ever hear any ministry lead off in 12-12, then you better make sure you zero in on it because Okay, so now, so, where we are? We got to look for it. Okay, now, now we heard what that big dignitary called Kenneth Copeland said. He was talking about the law, right? So you got enough on that. So now, you go ahead and let's see where you're going. And let's see if take a couple of notes from this because if that come up, we want to be clear you know how to get in and get out and make talk. All right, so take them there. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, let me let me read a verse in Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Try that first. Now, this is... Chapter... 
When I read that verse again,
Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you. 
Thank you. 